Listen up or run for cover. Dropping knowledge from the people who have it to the people who need it. The, the, the real Bradley Bombs is dropping. What it is, Bradley back again, folks, with another Dropping Bombs episode. And today, like no other day, I got a real freaking treat. Folks, you probably heard of this dude if you're in real estate. He's one of the Quack Brothers, and you like the Quack Block. That's right. That's I like exactly that. right. Dude, Daniel Quack is here today, and I'm excited because, dude, this guy went out basically with zero money out of your no. pocket, and got up to 75 rentals and like, quick as hell. Yeah. Now you're like this multi-millionaire. <laughs> You and your brother. Why your brother? Did he help build the thing yeah. or or, or so both of you did it? We we both did it. So he actually was the guy that got me into entrepreneurship. Okay. Yeah. Is he older brother? Yeah, he's the older brother. Yeah. So so ultimately Daniel and his brother Sam. Yeah, Sam, yeah. Sam, yeah. Uh got a big old YouTube following and they're putting out freaking content left and right. So you want to check them out on the old YouTube channel, the Quack Brothers. That's right. K W A K. Perfect. What is that? Quack. Yeah, that's my last name. I know, but what, yeah, yeah. what was that? What is that? What are you? What's your oh, what's South your Korean. origin? Yeah. Origin. South Korean. South Korean. Yeah. That's a Korean name? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I'll be damned. I didn't know this, but it's also a Dutch name. So there's a company, there's a painting company called the Quack Brothers. And they do painting and they're Dutch. When did you when did you come here? Age five? Yeah, five years old. What did your parents do? So they're pastors. They oh, work okay. at a church. Why'd they move to US? So this is this is gonna sound nuts to a lot of people who are not in the church, but so God literally gave him the vision to start a church in Chicago. And that's ah, how he came. Did they start one? They did. How is it still going? It is, but is they're not, a, they're not here a, anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. They went back to Korea. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why? They said, <laughs> they said U.S. ain't as good right. as everybody claims. I mean, I guess. So, so, so my dad's mentor has a big church in Seoul. And so he retired and then, you know, he kind of filled in the shoes. So, but they're, but they're still in the church. They're still in the church. Are you big faith-based guy? I'm a very big faith-based Amen. guy. Amen. Hey, what, hallelujah. Yeah. So so let me ask you. Well, I don't want to get into it on the podcast. Sure, However, yeah. I want to chat with you about that. Yeah. I'm on I'm doing what the scripture says. You yeah. know what the scripture tells you to do? Seek. Yeah. Do you believe in the scripture? Oh yeah. 100%. Okay. It's making sure. Matter of fact, I think a lot of people, the problem with today is is too many people follow the church. They don't follow the scriptures. Well, hey. You know what I mean? Yeah, but listen. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. You follow the scripture. Yes. You believe in the scripture. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So there is scripture. You're going to know it better than I. Yeah. There is scripture that says, give glory to my name. Yeah. Give praise to my name. Right. What's his name? Yeah. The name of Jesus. So right, that's but see, that. But see yeah. again, Jesus isn't his name. Do you right. know that? It's a title. No. Well, the Christ is the title. So it's Jesus, the Christ. No. Jesus isn't his name, Daniel. Yeah. Have you ever heard that? No, I haven't heard that. See, I'm going to blow your mind by the time you leave here. We're today. learning stuff. I like well, this. dude, his, yeah. name, his name was Yahshua. Yes. That was his name. Yes. It got trans, not lated, but iterated to Jesus way later. Mm. The letter J wasn't even invented to the 1500s. So it was actually Aesus, mm. but Aesus is now Jesus. But his name, if you're talking about who they're talking about when they right. say Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ's that, that wasn't his name. His name was Yahshua. Yeah. 
of Nazareth. But anyway, or Nazarene. But anyway, the or Nazareth. Is it Nazareth? Of, of Nazareth. Of Nazareth. Yeah. But anyway, I'll show you after the podcast. We don't, I love it, man. We'll, we'll be here two hours to, talking about that yeah. if if you wanted to go down that road. It's crazy, especially if you're faith-based because the scripture says, seek and ye shall yeah. find. And most people, they don't seek. Yeah. They they listen and do basic, they believe whatever they're told. Right. So here we are 2,000 years later being told a story. Is it true? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. How do you find out if something's true or not? Seek. That's right, brother. You gotta seek. You gotta seek. And that's what the scripture tells you to do. That's right. So anyway, I got some questions. I'm gonna run yes, by. Sir. Maybe I'll Let's have to it. call your dad. Okay. Is he a is he a way yeah. faith based pastor? A, he's got a doctorate in biblical studies. Oh, dude. Yeah, you're the, the whole, perfect whole one nine yards. To ask. Whole nine yards. Dude, this yeah. is gonna be exciting. I'm more I'm more excited about that. I damn near want to talk about that. But let's do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, dude, dude, I, I, I definitely the air, sure. Well, I definitely want to uh talk about that, but yeah. I'd rather have the listeners hear about how you went from zero properties, yeah. no money. And you, you you said no credit, not bad credit, no credit. Well, bad credit, no credit. So I started at 19. I had negative $187.65 in my bank account at 19 years old. And I'm, you know, had zero credit, hadn't, didn't have a credit no card. No credit though. No, no, oh, no credit is better than bad credit. So, so I had bad credit because I had two maxed out credit cards at the time. So I, I got my first credit card when I was 18 because my mom made me and I'm glad she did because it builds up the history. But yeah, I had two max stock credit cards, negative balance in my bank account. That's where I was at at 19 years old. Did you old. miss payments? Uh, yeah, big time. So you cre- then that's bad credit. Yeah, I was, ba- I was bad with money. Okay, so you had, good. you had bad credit, no yeah. money. And now you have how many rental properties? Yeah, so I sold uh, three apartments last year, but I was at 82. With, <laughs> with bad credit, no yeah. money. So folks, if this dude and his brother can do it, and you guys weren't special in any way. No. You didn't have any rich friends. No, man. Okay, no, so nobody in my network. Yeah. So like when people are listening to this, is, is this is my point? Like if you're driving around an old beat up truck, pissed off because you're not where you want to be, you know, you're sitting there blaming the president and blaming who screwed who and whatever reasons you're giving yourself are probably not valid. When two dudes with no money, I assume your brother in the same yeah. position. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah go out and just start freaking laying away. What about timing? What if it, what if someone said, "Yeah, Daniel, but dude, that was then. You can't do that again." You like that's that's not the same anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I always tell people, you know, this it, the market shifts, but people don't. You know, it's like there's always an opportunity, there's always a problem to be solved in real estate. You know, as an entrepreneur and you know, you're you, what you are is your professional problem solver. Is what I tell people all the time. So, I mean, literally even the way I raise capital so when I travel and I, and I speak and I do real estate events, literally the number one question I get is, Daniel, how do you raise capital to do your deals? And I said, you got to change that. You got to shift the thinking because what is the noun? What is the subject in that sentence? Is Daniel, how do I raise capital? You got to stop thinking about the I and you got to start thinking about how do I solve people's problems? Those people who have the capital, how do I solve their problem? That's right. Because here's what I did. So in the beginning, I literally went around. So I, I used to belong to this uh, real estate investing network and uh, it was every Thursday night. And uh, we had about 600 people meet every week. And I used to go around with my phone and I had a notepad. And I asked one question, hey, what are some of the biggest obstacles you have in your business right now? And people would tell me. And eventually I got my friend who was a doctor who was like, hey, listen, man, I make $500,000 a year. I'm an orthopedic surgeon. My CPA is telling me to get in some real estate because I, I, I need some tax advantages. 
you know? And so I've got about, you know, $250,000 saved up. I'm trying to allocate that towards real estate, but I don't have the time, the team, the knowledge, or the strategy to be able to do this. You seem like a pretty smart guy. You just asked me what my obstacles are. If you can find me a deal and you could do all the work, set up the management structure and you could set up, you know, I'll take 50% and I'll put up the money. And I was like, done, done deal. So I'm not raising capital. I'm just solving that guy's problem. Yeah. And that's what people aren't doing. They're not seeking, you know, mm. they're not seeking. Yeah. So, so you recognize the opportunity. Yeah. Well, 100%. thank God you knew that fella. Yeah. What if someone's sitting there in a beat up old truck, pissed off at the world, can't get ahead and he doesn't know anybody. Yeah. So I didn't have anyone in my network either. You know, so my dad's a pastor and you know, for those of you that know pastors, they don't make a lot, you know, I mean, I, it's crazy because my, I was talking to my wife, but my, my brother and I made more money this month than, well, I'm sorry. The, the amount that my brother and I made is five times this month, what they used to make in a year to combined, you know, so that, that just blows my mind. So I didn't have anyone in my network either, you know? Um, but what I did is I started seeking. So I went to literally every single real estate meetup conference that I could possibly go to. And I started focusing on other people, you know? So we'll, we'll I'm going to use a scripture example because we're on the scripture train. And so I, I remember for two years, I started in 19, I started learning about real estate and I would wake up at six, seven every morning, go to sleep at one or 2 a.m. And the whole time, other than eating and working out, I would study real estate, investing, uh, read biographies, classes, courses. I, I bought every single course I could. Um, the way we bought them, by the way, my brother and I called our credit card company and we begged them to increase the line. Cause we were like dang near maximum. And so they were like, oh, all right, you know, we, we don't usually do this, but you know, I mean, we would pray be like, Hey God, please help, you know, help them increase the line so we could buy this real estate course. You know, and then we got people today. It's just, you know, I, it's funny. I tell people, listen, if you're having a tough time making a decision on paying $2,000 for a real estate course, and you're investing in the greatest piece of real estate you have, which is the six inches between your ears, what are you going to do when you make a decision on a million dollar property? What do you, what do you think you're going to do? You know, if you can't make this decision now, what are you going to do when you make that bigger decision? Yeah. It's going to be even worse. You know, so we, we bought the course. I'd study my butt off. And then by the time I was 21, 22, I found myself being the smartest guy in the room with no results. And so I started getting frustrated. So whenever I get frustrated, I go to God. I said, God, you know, what's going on? Why can't I, you know, succeed? I, I see these people who, you know, know less and that they're making six, seven figures in real estate. What's the problem? And he goes, he took me to this, uh, this scripture. It's, I think it's John chapter 13. And, uh, I, you know, the Holy Spirit, because I believe in the Holy Spirit, right? God's spirit in our, in our body and mind and soul. He says, Daniel, what would you do if you're the most powerful being in the universe? And I was like, I, I don't know, probably like save world hunger, et cetera, et cetera. And he says, go to John chapter 13. So there's a scripture where it says, Jesus realized he was the most powerful being in the universe and the father had put everything under his authority. And so it talks about his response. And so it goes, the next verse goes, so Jesus took out a basin of water and a cloth, removed his outer clothing and started washing the feet of his disciples. And he's like, you're not washing anybody's feet. You know, he's like, you got a great mind, but you've got dirty feet. And so I started going around and asking people that question, what are your greatest obstacles with the intent to metaphorically wash their feet and serve them and bring value. And so it was, that's how I started raising capital. That's how I met, uh, cause out of the 600 people I asked about 10, 10 to 20 of them, like they had capital like that. They were like, yeah, let's do it. Well, it makes sense for someone with just cash lying around. They don't have time cause they're earning cash. They're yeah. busy. And then you come along, Yes, but 
did they think you knew what you were doing? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, these but did people, you? I did. So Because you read all the books and took all I the did. courses. But just to be safe, I partnered with a guy who had a lot more experience than I did. And you hadn't, you hadn't actually did any at this no, point. No, not at this time. I had zero experience. Wow. So I had no experience, but I never brought it up. Yeah. Because you were know, you afraid that, man, what if I screw this up? Oh, yeah. That terrified. Still am today. Wow. You know? Real uh, estate's a pretty easy deal. Isn't it true yeah. that, generally speaking, it's doubled real estate every mm -hmm. 10 years for the history of real estate? Uh, yes and no. Right? It just depends on what market you're looking at. So, like Vegas, I mean, you guys, your guys' year over year on your median listing price or sales price is absolutely berserk. Like, it's one of the highest in the country. Like it's up there with Arizona and Texas and Florida and stuff like that. Um, but double in price every 10 years, uh, that I'm not sure of. I think it just depends on the market. Google it on your phone. Yeah, Pull I will. Your phone. Ask yeah. Siri. See, I got, I got Google. Oh, ask yeah, Google. Samsung, you know. Ask Google. What do you say? Hey, Google? Yeah. Yeah. Look it up while we're, while we're sitting here because I'd be curious to know if that's true. Because, man, someone told me that stat and I thought I looked it up on Google once and I did say that and I'm like... If that's true, yeah, you can't lose at real estate. You can only temporarily lose. Like you might buy a house at five hundred grand, drops in, pri in price to three hundred grand. All of a sudden, it's like, damn. Well, no, yeah. just hold on to it for ten years. It'll be a million. So it says some do and some don't. But I, I mean, I don't think it does. So you got to risk. Yeah, there's oh, yeah, there's risk to everything. But you're playing yeah. the cash flow game, aren't you? Yeah, cash flow. But there's, I mean, there's there's something very wise that my mentor once told me. He says, Daniel, just always protect your downside, and your upside will always take care of itself. Like that's the, that's the real game in real estate. Just mm. always protect your downside. What's the downside that you paid too much market crashes? Yeah, there's a lot. So that you paid too much market crashes, uh, your financing breaks down. So if you find out there's termites, there's, yeah, there, I mean, there's all sorts of things, right? So, I mean, I bought a property recently. It was a single family house. We're, we're putting it on Airbnb nightly rentals. And then, uh, we hired an inspector, inspector did a terrible job, water valve for the bathroom upstairs and the city line rusted off. And it costed me like four or five grand uh, to fix it, right? But there's always risks, you know, like even financing risks. Like the reason why, like I go to conferences and people are like, oh, Daniel, like I used to have, I remember back in 2008, 2007, I had 15 properties, 20 properties, 30 properties. And I'm just like, what happened? You know, and they're like, well, the bank called my note due. Why? You know, so, so in real estate, there's this thing called loan value ratio, right? Yeah. So, so the banks, the banks are in the business of risk, right? So what happens is that if that loan to value ratio gets too high, it gets over 100%, meaning that the value of the building is is less than the value of the loan, uh, banks will either do one of two things. So number one, if they're a financially strong person, the person that they got the commercial loan with, the commercial lender, will call that person and says, hey, we need enough liquidity to get you back down to an 80% LTV. So like, give me 80,000 bucks. Exactly. So I just had lunch with my commercial lender and I asked him like, hey, Corey, just, just out of curiosity, what's your, and they're a big bank. Right, they're a really big bank out of the Midwest, and I'm like, what's your guys' protocol, like standard protocol for when a loan gets over 100% LTV? It's like 100%. We uh, we ask for enough liquidity to get them down to 80. No ifs, ands, or buts. Doesn't matter who they are. And so, like, if you got a million dollar building, you need two hundred thousand dollars to get that to, to or 80%. what? Or what they call the note due. And what if you can't pay it? Oh, you're done. So they take yeah, the building. Yeah. So basically, that's the danger. That's the danger. Does it happen often? Uh, it depends on where you are in the market. So I'd say it will happen in, in like six to nine months. I see it happening very soon, actually. Really? Yeah. So if I were to be looking at real estate right now, wait a little bit? Yeah, I tell you to go off market. What's that mean? Yeah, so I mean, don't get properties off like LoopNet or like the MLS. 
you know, depends on what you're looking at. Like well, you like to go big. So I'm probably guessing like you probably go after like an apartment complex. Well, again, no, I'm, 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 I'm open to whatever yeah. makes sense. Like I'm looking for cap rate for sure. Because to me, it's a cash flow game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It is a cash flow game. I always tell our students too, is like, look, look at your upside. Because your 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 biggest advantage in real estate, it's not just cash flow, but it's I mean the tax advantages, it's the appreciation. There's ways you can control the appreciation, how how values well, work it's in the, the building. Depreciation too. It's the deep right, it's the tax Taxes, benefits, yeah. right? And, tax and, benefits sometimes is yeah. worth doing by itself. Oh, right. And that's that's why my first investor wanted to get in, you know, because he had he had so much to pay in taxes because he was working in the medical field. Mm -hmm. He needed the depreciation. So I actually gave him hundred percent depreciation when we did the deal. So if I were like right now, I heard this podcast. I'm like, dude, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And I don't have much money, but I have great credit. Okay. How can a guy with great credit, not much money, meaning like he's not paying $500,000 down payments. He's got, you know, 50 K in the bank. He's, you know, working a nine to five. He's had a good job history, but he's never owned a house. What should he do? Yeah. So num number one, I, I'd say form a banking relationship with the bank. How do you do that? Like today, like start a business checking account. Yeah, get, the, the guy's got all that. Get yourself a line of credit. You know, He's got all that. Use, use your credit. I'd say raise, start raising money. So you don't just go look for a deal, you raise money? Yeah, I tell people to raise money first. It's and how they do don't they, have the money. Is that friends and family? Friends and family, you can do that. But, you know, obviously, I, I so for me, you know, I own a real estate private equity firm. So we, we can only work with accredited investors because we're a 506C. So even if I had a friend or a family, I can't, I can't bring them on if they're not accredited. So I, I tell people, so I had one of my students do this because, you know, we own, we own a coaching business. Literally, I had my, one of my students this, this past week, she raised $950,000 in seven days to do deals. Was she new? Like, did she go, holy crap, I didn't realize people yeah. had that kind of money. She was brand new. So she, she didn't do anything with real estate before coming to us. Now, is that nine fifty to buy things cash or, or used as down payment? And used as a down payment. Shit? Yeah, down payment. So you could, yeah. for example, if you were spending a hundred grand down on each one, you have enough money for nine properties. Yeah, absolutely. Do you yeah. spend it all? Uh, I, I typically advise just because you have it doesn't mean you should use it. But yeah. if the deals are great, why not? Yeah. You know? Where would someone go looking for a deal? Yeah. I always, I always tell people, unless you're like in California, like in SoCal, I always try and start local. Like all my deals I, I first started were local. Now, do you teach people like kind of what to look for? Yeah. 100%. Would you rather I give you $3 million and let you mess with it and mm -hmm. then you keep half? Would you rather I do that or teach me how to do it myself? Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on what makes you happier. Like if you want, if you genuinely want to do this real estate thing, like you can call me anytime you want and I'll gladly help you. Yeah. You but I, well, I'm definitely buying real estate, yeah. but I'm not managing properties and all that. Shit. Yeah. You don't want to do that. That's tough. But I'm interested yeah. to, to, to like, you know, go buy a, a deal and like walk through it. Yeah. Just so I know. For sure. You know, I'm not completely familiar with all the benefits, although I know there are some. Yeah. I know a lot of people in the real estate game. Yeah. Well, and everybody should be in the real estate game if I you agree. ask me. I agree, 100%. Like if I you're agree. not in real estate, dude, you're probably, and I don't know that this is a fact, but you're probably statistically less likely to ever be wealthy. Yes, because real estate is where most people get wealthy. Yeah. Well, that's that's kind of how I started. So I'm I'm a diehard Chicago Bulls fan. Love Chicago Bulls. And so I you know I ever since I was a kid I wanted to own them. Like I, that was my dream when I was like 9 years old. 
So this is a really cool, so I, when, I, when I used to live in Korea, because I came here at five or six years old, I used to love basketball. I had an older cousin that played on his high school team. I thought the Korean Basketball League were like, was like the greatest league in the world. You know, little did I know, right? Um, so I loved basketball, 14 hour plane ride to get here. The whole time I'm crying, because I'm like, oh, like no more basketball. I'm, I'm, I'm so sad. I'm like, my friends, family all gone, but like no more basketball. I get off the plane at O'Hare, and the first thing I see on those box TVs they used to have in the 90s, because I came here in the late 90s, there was this guy wearing a uh, number 23. OMJ. Yeah. And then and he, I was like, wow, his skin's like darker than what Koreans usually have. And then like, he did this signature fadeaway jumper. And I'm like, this guy looks different. He jumps a little higher and the ball goes in almost every single time. I think this is my new favorite player. And I had no idea this guy was the greatest to ever do it. Oh, MJ. Yeah. You know, you ever heard of Tim Grover? Yeah. MJ's coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. MJ's coach. Yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah, you met him? Yeah, yeah. That's he's a, been oh, on I'm, the podcast. He's a client here. Oh, that's you know, awesome. I, you know, we're buddies. Yeah. Tim Grover's a good dude. Do you read his book, Relentless? Mm -hmm. He's got a new book out too you should go pick up. Yeah. But yeah, he's MJ. he was MJ's and Kobe's for that matter. Okay. Uh, yeah. Personal trainer, Dwayne, Dwayne Wade. Okay. Um, a lot of those basketball yeah. guys. So anyway, I, I wanted to buy the Bulls. I, I looked up who owns the Bulls. You still want to? Yeah, I do. But it's like it's like it's like really crazy now. It's like very social justice esque in the, in the sports game, you know. And it's just like I don't know if I want to mess with that. It's a very sensitive area right now. So you looked up the guy. I looked up the guy who, who owned it. So it's a guy named Jerry Reinsdorf. So I read his biography, and it turns out he made his money by investing in real estate. So he was a CPA and attorney. Started investing when he was like twenty eight, twenty nine, his late twenties. And I said, well, I'm 19 years old. I got a 10 year head start on that guy. Like put me in, you know, I'll start, I'll start learning. And then I, I did some research and it turns, I read a statistic, something along the lines of like 76% of all millionaires are made through real estate. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is the way to go. You know, cause we grew up dirt poor, like dirt poor. Like, I don't know if you know anything about like immigrant life, but yeah, it's not, it's not pretty. I don't. Yeah. It sucked. I was, I was <laughs> born and raised. Born and raised. Yeah. Well, I know about hillbillies. Okay. Hillbilly life. Yeah. <laughs> but not immigrant life. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, my thought when I'm hearing this is you have a natural uh, ability to identify opportunities. Because yeah. again, like when, like when, like as you're telling the story, like, well, I read his biography, who not a lot of people would think to do that. Like, yeah. hey, this guy uh, is, is in the position I want to be in, because that's really what it boiled yeah. down to. This guy is in the position I want to be in. What did he do to get in that position? Which is, believe it or not, common sense, but yeah. not very common. That's a that's a like what I would say. Ooh, that's a smart move. Well, in al in reality, I think everyone should just naturally think like that. But a lot of people don't. Yeah, you do. Yeah, and it's not genetics. Like I always tell people all the time. Like guys, at the end of the day, like as as divided as we are as a country at this time of this recording, as as different as we, th at the end of the day, we're all the same. Like I give this example like all the time. So like you look at the biggest two people that are divided, it's the liberal and it's the conservative. Well, guess what? When it comes to, you know, um, when it comes to death row, right? Like murderers and stuff like the, the conservative says- Wouldn't it be more a Muslim and a Jew? Maybe. But, yeah, but, but Jewish, like, Jewish and Muslim, I think in the Middle East, yeah. they're, they like, oh, they yeah, kill they each hate, other. They, they yeah, they other. hate each other. But yeah, I'm talking li about like social media, right? Are, you know, they're not right. that, that I'm talking odds. about like right now, right? Like we just, we're, it's the election, right? It's on social right. media. That's, right. that's where the biggest I'll arguments are happening. I'll let it slide. I, thank you. Continue, thank you, sir. Continue. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, um, 
So if you look at like, you know, killing somebody who committed a crime, right? Death row. The conservative says, yes, do it. And the liberal says, no, life is precious. But then you look at another major, you know, What's topic. your belief? My belief? Oh man, that's tough. I'm not God. I yeah, can't make that decision. What's your belief? My belief is, I say, let him live. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, God's crazy about that person. See, I could go back or forth. Why? Well, because number one, depends on what they did. But if they did That's something ridiculous point. and they continue to do something ridiculous yeah. and they are a danger to the freaking world, kill them. Yeah. Why? They don't deserve to live in a world where everybody's sure. trying to be civil. I agree. Who with gets that. to decide? Uh, society. Right. Okay. I don't want a murderer living next to me or a rapist. Yeah. Like, dude, what if a person just continued to rape six year old oh, girls man. all over the country? What do you do with them? Now, kill yeah. them. Well, maybe not. I'm also for stick them in prison. That's worse than killing them, for actually. Sure. For sure. So like if you really want to punish somebody, they don't get the death penalty. Yeah. They get prison. But then, you know, what it turns into a business. And so you flip that. There's you a lot of factors. Flip. But anyway, so so the conservative says kill them, right? And the liberal says no, life is precious. No matter but, what, under any circumstances. But they it, say seems, that? it seems that way, doesn't it? Like that's like the general consensus. Yeah, but you know? I'm wondering. Right, are, but anyway, are you so, liberal? So here's the point. No. <laughs> No, I wouldn't say so. Dude. See, he's smart, dudes. He won't admit whether he's liberal or conservative yeah. on this show. I want anyway. everyone to love me. <laughs> well, and, it's, and again, it's, I can tell you're smart. That's the smart move. Like the other day, somebody said to me, "Yeah, dude, how come you're not uh, uh, doing all the conspiracy shit oh, you see. were doing on Instagram? And I'm like, well, first of all, I don't live in the conspiracy world. Yeah. Uh, I talk to a few people that are you know, famous in that area. But I'm not, I don't live in the conspiracy world. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, sure. although I do believe some crazy shit. But they said, why did you quit talking about it? And I didn't mm. quit. I just didn't focus on it. Why? Well, because, dude, they will shut your ass off. Yeah. That's why. That's very if true. If you just came out and said, well, Brad, I'm a liberal and I yeah. think people should live. Dude, you'll get like a whole bunch of people oh, yeah. that didn't even need to know that hating you on you for nothing. Yeah, but it's weird because I'm like, I'm, I'm both with different topics. You know, I, I mean, I just do my best to look at the facts. You know, so anyway, so so the conservative says kill and liberal says no, life is precious. But you look at another, you know, key controversial topic. You look at something like abortion. It's the opposite. The liberals are saying the liberals are saying her body, her choice. The conservatives are saying no, life is precious. So at the end of the day, we're just saying the same things. Yeah. But for some reason, depending on the topic, we all have different experiences. You know. So at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We all we all have an amygdala. We have a prefrontal. We all think the same, want the same, feel the same. But it's just our, our different experiences, which is why, you know, with, with what you mentioned, I'll come full circle, looking for opportunities, you know, you got to seek, you know, that, like, that's the theme for this podcast, you know, you got to seek. So for me, I was seeking to create a better life. Like I was tired. I was, I mean, I remember, you know, when I had negative $187 in my bank account, the day I looked down on my phone and I saw that number and I saw literally like right after I went to um, my credit card homepage, right. And I looked at you know, the maximum balance. I remember driving back and this was like one of the last months my parents were in America before they went back. Uh, it was an hour and a half drive. I was in college at the time. And the whole time I just, I just wept. Like I was, I was like, this, I felt like a loser because I had dreams to help people. You know, I wanted to build hospitals in Africa and just do, just be good, you know, just do good in the world, you know? And uh, I couldn't even take care of myself. So I was like, man, this sucks. Well, again, it was pretty intuitive to Look up the dude who was in the position you wanted to be in. This is a life hack. If people are paying yeah. attention, just follow what you did. You know, look up the person that you want to be or in the position they want to be in. Find out what they did to get in that position yeah. and emulate what they did because more than likely 
if you do the same things they did, right. you'll get the same things they did. Exactly. And I, and I always say prioritize what you duplicate because, you know, success is duplication. At the end of the day, it really is, you know. Uh, but I always say prioritize what you duplicate because, for one, you can't copy somebody's exact same steps because the circumstances are different, the skills are different. But you can at least emulate that person's, you know, ability. Yeah. You know, like like Kobe didn't, you know, I mean, Kobe copied Michael Jordan's moves for sure. But the thing that made Kobe so close to Michael's was his mindset. You know, it was, it was the intangible things that you just, you know, otherwise every NBA player would be like MJ and have that mentality. But the reality is it's, it's, that's not the case. That's true. So, so I'm sitting out there. How do I start looking for properties? Yeah. You say off market, but don't you have to go build relationships for, for sure. people to tell you? Yeah. So I always, I always say when you're doing a deal, it's like playing a game. You know, so I love fighting. I did martial arts my whole life. You know, I'm a big MMA fan, which is why I'm, I'm glad you're in Vegas. You know, it's an excuse to come out here. But I always say when you're doing your first deal, it's like entering your first pro MMA debut. You don't, you're not just going to walk off the street and get into a fight, you know, put, put the four ounce gloves and go up against, you know, Conor McGregor. You're not going to do that. What do you got to do is you got to have your team, you got to train and you got to, you know, eat right. And you got to, you know, learn the techniques and the format. So the way that applies to real estate is the same thing as you got to get your team. You know, I mean, I always tell people, you know what I love the quote that MJ said, it says, I made practice so hard for my teammates that the game was easy. And that's the same thing. You know, your preparation to do your first deal has to be so intense. It's got to be so good. It's got to be so thorough. And you got to seek, you got to be intentional that by the time you get to your first deal, you know, it's just like, oh man, this is, this is it. Yeah. But you make it sound like it's a triathlon, is it? For, I mean, for me, the way my journey worked out is I wanted it that way. Cause I always tell people, the more you cover during your due diligence, during your preparation, the less you have to worry about when it's actually game time, you know? So like, I'm talking about raise your capital, build your team, get your contractor, your maintenance guys, your manager, set up your business structure. Do you have to have capital? To do real estate? Yeah. You don't. So I bought a building, no money down. How do you find those? Yeah. So it's, so I'll tell you the story. So I bought my first apartment building I bought was an eight unit building. Hey, and by the way, just in case anybody's listening that owns real estate and you want zero money down, call me. I'll give you zero money down for it. That's right. <laughs> I like that. Anybody, I like what you did. call me. Yeah, call me right now if you've got a piece of property in distress and you can't get rid of it, but you have to get rid of it, and you own it, and you're yeah. willing to take zero down. Well, then call me. Call Bradley. Call Bradley. That's and right. then I'll call Daniel, and That's we'll exactly see if we right. can do some business. Hey, hey man, I like. But that. call me first. Don't call Daniel. That, don't call me. You probably want him to call you. Would you? <laughs> would you? Um, yes. If no. right, if right now someone's driving around, they heard this, they're like, dude. I got a property I can't get rid of. No, is that I'd even say, possible? I said call you. Why? Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to. No, I said call Brad. No, because this is your podcast. Yeah, but so what, dude? You're I'm not a mean? realtor. Right, but you're, you're not a realtor. You're an investor. Yeah, I'd be an investor. Right. So you know, again, when they call me, I'd say, I don't know, it, Daniel, should we buy yeah. that for zero down? Because is there a time where you don't want a property? This is what I understand about, like, like yeah. let's say you can't come up with 200 grand and the, and the bank accelerates your deal. Yeah. It, you you would it, there's nobody around you that you can come up with and save that property? Oh, you can. Is that how people lose their properties? In, in 12 years ago, yes. Yeah, that's, that's, that was the predicament. You know, it was mainly a finance issue. You know, now it's a little different. Why are people losing properties now? Taxes? Right now? Stupid shit? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we're in a pandemic. People can't pay rent. Do you go to these tax sales where they're literally selling some person's house because they didn't have 16,000 yeah, in taxes? I don't do that. It's just because the deal is typically too small. 
at this point. Oh, you're looking at the big ones now. Yeah. What's the smallest deal you'd look at? Right now? Probably something like a 50 unit. 50? Yeah. Is it just as easy to buy a 100 unit as it is a 10 or a 4 unit? The process is the same. I wouldn't say it's easier or harder. It just, so, it just so happens that if you make a mistake with the bigger ones, it just costs you more. Now, if I were to buy, like, let's say, a 100-unit apartment building, yeah, the second I took over, I'd walk the property, I'd figure out what can I improve by a little, yeah, and I would tell everybody that their rent's going up next month by $35 times 100. Now, that 3500 right increase, would that cause a shitload of people to move out? Uh, it depends on what the market rate is. So if, if you're- It doesn't market, matter. It's $35, bro. You'd be surprised. I wouldn't, I, dude, you could raise my rent yeah. $350 before I'd be inconvenienced to take so, all my so, shit and find yeah. elsewhere to live. So I bought, a, I bought a 36 unit building three years ago. We raised the rent $25. Uh, 10% of people moved out. Yeah, but so what? You can you replace know? them, right? You can, but the, the vacancies were, because if you look at your expenses, which I always tell, well, the national average for multifamily expenses is 47% across the board, depending on A, B, C, D, whatever the condition is. But I always say with your debt service, you're most likely going to be at around like 70 to 75%. So all of a sudden that 10% is like a third of your income. That's a third of your cash flow. So we what we did there is that we, we got the 36, we actually raised the rent 300 over the course of two years. And then we increased the value because the income is higher. But that's the, that's the game right now. A lot of people are doing that right now where they, they buy a distressed property, they raise the rent, they refinance out their investors, they allow the investors to keep a little bit of equity and they just move on to the next deal. Which you know, I say it can, can't work depending on what market you're in. But generally speaking, I think, I think it's a risky play. You like apartments better than single family? Yeah, I do, yeah. Do you have any single family? I do, yeah. So I own, I own about nine right now. So you, the, you'll take them if they're good deals. Yeah, but it's like, I, I just do that. I mean, at this point, it's not really even worth it. But if it's like a good nightly rental deal, then sure, I'll, I'll, I'll look at it. When I, when I buy a house and I'm the owner, is it 100% up to me whether I Airbnb it? Yeah. Or, or can I be in an HOA that says no Airbnb? Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's what happened to my uh, second to last one. I did an Airbnb and then the HOA shut us down. So then what do you do? You know, well, you got to pretty much rent it out. It's like a, a standard rental. But you can't, you, know? you can't uh, tell the HOA. This, no. <laughs> we're having nightly renters. I, I tried that. These are my guests. Yeah. They, they say no. Yeah, no. How do they know though? Cars, like neighbors, you know, you got some, some, some people ratting them out. Yeah. Some snitch, some yeah. I guess the neighbors would know snitches. like new people there every time. Yeah. Snitches, Brad. That's what they are. Yeah. I'm trying to think of all the ways to make cash flow because dude, when it boils yeah. down to it, real estate's I think so effective because of the cash flow. Here's why here's why I got into real and estate. And equity. And I loved real estate so much over stocks, bonds, mutual funds, et cetera. Because at the end of the day, if I'm putting a hundred thousand dollars in stocks and buying into a company, but I think I'm not in their boardroom. You know, I'm not it's it's cash flow I can control. And that's what intrigued me so much about real estate, you know, because I can control it, I can predict it. You know, I could, I could set up protocols for what happens if people don't pay rent, but it's, it's like what you said, it's equity. It's the, it's the long-term wealth. Well, not only that, but like it's real property, meaning, exactly. you know, I could rent my house out to you. You could for trash sure. it, but you're not taking the thing. Yeah. It's tangible. Yeah. So I roll yeah. over there on a regular basis. I got my processes, my management processes in place. You know, I've got insurance yeah. against people like that. Correct. Yeah. I've got freaking maintenance people walking around, making sure it's not deteriorating. Yeah. How do you lose? Right. So I'll tell you the story how I bought my first apartment. So this is the no money down story. I think we were on it like 
five, 10 minutes ago. Anyways, so so my buddy, so the partner that I was working with at the time, he was a property manager and uh, he's, he was in the game for over 40 years. Nice guy, didn't agree with a lot of how he did business, which is why I stopped working with him. Um, but you know, we he had he had these property management signs out all over town. And there was this guy who was wealthy, right? So I'm like, I, I used to be a big watch guy, but at closing, I remember he had a Rolex Submariner two, which, you know, those aren't cheap. You know, they're pretty expensive he was wearing. And so we check out the property on a Tuesday and then the guy's like, listen, you know, I just, this property, he initially contacted my partner for property management services. And so he's like, hey, like I need to manage this property. There's uh, three squatters, which are renters who are not paying, you know, and in Illinois, by the way, we have these things called squatters rights, which for me is just like, really? Um, but you know, there was all sorts of issues that the, the water heater and one of the top units burst and it flooded the three bottom units. There was all, I mean, we checked it out. I had to wear the little boots, you know, I felt like I was walking into a swamp, you know? So we, we check it out and the owner is just like, Hey, I gotta, I gotta get rid of this thing, you know, or like, I want you to manage it. And we kind of just, we seek, we asked. Questions. It was a money pit for the owner. It was a money. Right. Exactly. Okay. So, so we asked him like, well, what's the best case scenario? He's like, well, the best case scenario in Raleigh is that I just don't have to deal with this. So we're like, well, why don't you just sell it? You know, we're like, well, I tried, you know, I, I couldn't get what I wanted for it and et cetera, et cetera. And so we bought the thing. It was, it was an eight unit building. We bought it for $240,000, <coughs> no money down. And cause, cause he had a court date the next, next week on Tuesday, he had to deal with the city. And he was like, that's one of the biggest pain in my rears. So I, I told him, Hey, why don't we close on Friday? We'll buy it. We'll buy for 240,000, 4% interest. We'll buy it owner financing, which the legal term is agreement for deed, which by that's one of the few ways you can buy properties, no money down by, by doing owner financing. And I said, you finance us. And uh, by the way, I can't raise the capital in, for in three days. I can't do that. No investor is going to make that decision. But what capital? You, know? you didn't need any. Well, that's exactly it. So it said, I can't raise the money. So if I'm going to buy this thing and go to court for you next Tuesday, which, you know, I'm solving one of his major problems. He doesn't want to deal with the city anymore. I said, I'll, we'll go to court for you. Next as the Tuesday. new owner? As the new owner. We'll go to court for you, but we'll close on Friday for us to be able to do that, right? Because the closing's got to be before the court date. But in order for me to close on Friday, we got to buy this thing no money down because I can't raise the money in two days, two, three days. So he's like, done. Let's do the deal. Did and you guys go cha-ching? Yeah. And how many units was that? Eight. You know what's funny? So we bought it for 240. My buddy Sean owned an eight unit building literally right across the street. Ours was two bedroom, one bath. His was one one. His got appraised for 670 the week we bought ours. For 240. Yeah. And we bought it no money down. Stupid. Now that's my point. Why didn't that owner know that? Yeah. Because he didn't care. Not to mention, he said, I tried to sell it. No one wants to give yeah. me my price. Yeah. What but price he, did he want? And why yeah, did you get it for two forty? I didn't ask. But he at this point he was just done. So it was like, timing. So, it's you don't exactly. find those everywhere. No. But you're not gonna find them if you're not looking either. Exactly. So here's what I say. I told that's the second question I get the most. It's like, hey, how do I find properties? There's two ways to do that. There's an active way to do it and there's a passive way to do it. I always tell it's like fishing. You listen, you could be out there with the fishing rod, you know, bent over in the in the creek, right, with a little smile on your face. Or you could set up a trap in the river. You can come back the next morning, go out, do your thing, build your shelter, pick your berries and come back the next morning and see how many fish you got. So one of the, one of my favorite ways to acquire property is I like to build relationships with property managers. Cause at the end of the day, I'm a problem solver, you know, and people don't usually call property managers unless they have a problem. So here's the problem that the property manager had that I can solve. 
So I went to a property manager and I said, hey, imagine a, imagine a business where you never lose your clientele. Like how many units do you manage right now? Property manager, well, I have about 160, 150. I'm like, how many units do you have to have minimum for your office to be in operation? And they're like, oh, 120. To break even, pay my employees, pay my maintenance company, et cetera. So I said, so you're meaning to tell me if you, got, if you have one client who owns 40 units, they walk out the door, your business is done. They're like, yes. I said, imagine a business or imagine a relationship, imagine a scenario where you never lose, you never go below that 150. And they're like, what do you mean? It's like, next time you have a client that wants to sell, have them call me and I'll just keep you as the property manager. And if you and I don't work out, worst case scenario, you got a managing broker's license, you make 2.5% commission on my sale. So you win no matter what. I win no matter what. And so I built that relationship with a couple of guys and, and that's how the eight unit dude, uh, that's how I found that deal. Well, that's how you're finding off market. That would be yeah. off market. Yeah. They're coming to you before they're listed. Exactly. Because the guy, I mean, the guy clearly did not need the cash. He just want, his biggest problems were the city, his time, and then just the headache of, of having to deal with these tenants. And then you just take a look at the deal on paper. If it makes sense, go yeah. check it out. Yeah, 100%. If it makes sense, you got a deal. Yeah. Well, the market rent for a 2-1 and this area was 950. And so we were, I mean, we were cash flowing significantly well. I sold it. You know, I sold it at an evaluation of like 700,000. Well, when you say cash flow, you mean obviously more money's coming in than it costs to run the building. Yes. Simple. Yeah. And, and our, our payment to the guy, it's because it's owner financing, right? He's the bank, right? We're not going through a traditional. So he, he's not paying attention like low in the value ratios or anything like what that. What if he said, nope, I want 500 grand down. You couldn't have bought it. No, probably not. Of course, yeah. of course 500 would be exaggeration. What if they said 50,000? Yeah. 50,000 for the building? That's no, a, for, as a down. Oh, as down payment. I said, well, we can't close on Friday then. You got to go to court. He said, that's fine. I'll go to court. Yeah, I still would have done it, even if he went to court. But I mean, for him, he's dealt with, he, at this point, he's owned it for, I think, 16 years. Yeah. And, and you know, the last two years for him, it was just really downhill and the city was just raggling him. I mean, just, and you got you to gotta know the biggest pain points for a certain person. I always tell people, I love what you do, by the way, because so much of real estate is, is just sales sales you know well you know it's relationships when it, yeah. when it boils down to, to even the bottom line and right. that's and that's what you're good at creating yeah i love people man i'm and, not a yeah i'm not a money-driven guy I'm yeah very and your and your observant you're aware like again yeah. you know hey i want to own the bulls who owns the bulls read his autobiography what's he do oh real estate hey i'll go do real estate and then one day dude you might be telling the same story five years from now where you yeah. do own the bulls probably it's crazy yeah not only that like you know you're a, you guys are personality brand yeah quack brothers um and with that personality brand you know people like to get like to know you yeah so like gary v wants to buy the jets he, he makes that a big, sure. big thing you can be the bulls yeah i know a guy by the name of patrick riley okay who smart smart dude made has made millions but anyway when they were tear, tearing down the original Chicago Bulls um, arena or yeah. whatever, whatever yeah, before it was. Before the United Center? Yeah, it was all, you know, torn up. Yeah. And he offered to buy the bricks and the rubble and the and the wood from the floors and all the shit that they were throwing away. Seats, everything. He made, you know, humidors out of the floorboards. He sold the bricks retail as souvenirs. Okay. And made zillions yeah. off of his deal there were people sure. were like why are you buying the rubble well because dude he was a bulls fan and he knew uh, yeah. that there was a bunch of bulls fans yeah so he's a smart dude um 
M O M J. That dude, you know, there's a whole. Uh, do you follow all that? The latest, the latest, uh, what's it called? The Last um, Dance. Yeah, yeah. The Last yeah. Dance. Yeah, I watched it. Yeah, yeah, like MJ, dude, is just an icon. Yeah. Did you watch the Tyson fight the other day? I did. Icon. Yeah. Oh, Mike Tyson. What'd you think of that deal? I liked him, man. Why not? Well, I, I think some it people did. Why some people, people didn't. should just retire. I got you. Like, I mean, they dude, didn't look good. They don't look it. good. They they, they, they look tired and they looked, you know, and yes. and, you, and it made me realize like, you know what? There is a, there is a time to stop yeah. when you're performing and, or you're an athlete. Did you hear what Snoop said in the what? commentary? He's what? like, this is like my two uncles fighting the barbecue. Yeah. That was <laughs> um, I believe uh, the Paul, what was it? Jake, Jake Paul. or Logan? Jake. Who fought? It was Jake Paul. Okay. Logan's about to fight. I believe. Yeah. Mark probably. my words. I think he's going to fight Mayweather. Really? Or he's going to fight one of these iconic sure. fighters. McGregor. Yeah. Because, dude, their YouTube fans will yeah. pay to see it. Absolutely. And they've got millions of them. Absolutely. So almost almost YouTube celebrity is a, is a, is the new thing. Isn't that crazy how, how social and mental real estate is worth more today than actual real estate? Yeah. Like you go back to like the Roman times. It was all about land. Like you couldn't even vote unless you had land. But now it's all about, it's about social real estate. Yeah, like if you had a hundred million YouTube subscribers, dude, you're making money a million different yes. ways. Yes, you are. Everybody will bow down to you with a yeah. hundred million YouTube subscribers. Yeah. What's the you're because you're a big YouTuber. So what I love YouTube, yeah. What is the what is the I'm, well again, you're like a YouTube dude. Thank you. You and your brother are known on YouTube. Yeah. We have a we do all right. Yeah, but and you're growing. We are because it's all the value. You, yeah. If folks, if you guys aren't following them on YouTube, you can go there and there's videos after video after video that'll literally show you how to do all this shit, give you tons of tips and tricks and techniques. And what's cool is they're not sitting there trying to sell you courses. No, that's the cool part. You know what's really neat is I got a 30 minute video on YouTube's how to negotiate for owner financing. So everything I did with that eight unit, I teach people how to do it right there. 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. If you guys are even thinking about real estate, I'd be going at least to his YouTube channel to check that shit out. But that I, I was looking at it, I'm thinking, dude, this is a valuable channel if you're into real estate investing. Yeah. A lot of good content. Not just in real estate either. You're, how old's your brother? He's a smart dude. He's a, sm he's a very smart guy. So he's 28, I'm 26. All right. So your just the two of you or you just, got brothers and sisters? Just the two of us. No brothers and sisters? No. And mom and dad are in Korea. They're in Korea. Are they proud of you? Are they like, damn, you guys made it? I'll say, I'll say this. They're the, they're the typical Asian parent. Are you guys sending them money? <laughs> yeah. They, so you, they so have a credit typical card. Asian kids. Yes. Yes, we are. Yeah. Yes. Do they Asian, have a credit card? A, dude, the Asian, I don't want to say culture because I'm not, I, I haven't been in it. So yeah, you, you can, would have you to can say me. culture. But the Asian culture, I'm making an assumption. It seems to me is, yeah. man, kids are very respectful. Yes. You know, everything's family based. Yep. Everything's respect based. Like, how come USA can't be like that? I don't know. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why- You don't I, want to be from North Korea, though. Oh, heck no. I wouldn't be here if I was North. I'd be a lot skinnier if I was from North yeah. Korea. I don't understand the whole North Korea, South Korea thing. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about it off air, but it's I know the history. My parents made sure I knew the history. Huh. You know, it's it's sad. It's so, sad. So, you, but your parents, they went back on, on their own. They did. Which means Korea's fine. Oh yeah, they, they how's the, the how's the economy over there? It's the eighth largest economy in the world. How's the real estate game over there? It's crazy expensive. It doesn't play the same. So my parents bought their apartment homes because you can buy individual apartments in Korea. They bought it when they moved back in 2014. They bought it for 370. I talked to my mom last week. It, 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 they got it appraised. You know how much it is now? 800. 
one one. How long later? Six years. Yeah, see, they made eight hundred thousand yeah. in equity. They didn't even realize it. Exactly. And they probably got a bunch of write offs. So add they that did. on top of it. Yeah. They didn't yeah. cash flow. Good thing because they, they live there, right? Right, right. But good thing they have sons who are in real estate. Because I'd be like, hey, listen, man, eight hundred k is not bad, dude. That's awesome. Just like the other day, someone told me to stay out of the stock market. It's not for the regular people. It's for insiders. And so I'm like, yeah, whatever. Bought some stock called NIO, N-I-O. Okay. Yeah. It's the Chinese version of Tesla. Oh, sweet. So it was 20 bucks a pop and it's like 55 now. Good for you. Yeah. It's like, come on, dude. It yeah. can't be that difficult. Yeah. Can it? No. But I mean, you got to be willing to pull the trigger. Same thing with real estate. Same though. thing like, with real dude, estate. Get man. off your ass. Quit. You got it. You know, yeah. You got to take action. What about, you know, I'm working full time and like, dude, you can find this shit on the weekends and evenings because yes. most of the, the hunting is digital now, isn't yes. it? Yes. It's a lot easier. You're to not do it driving now. around from neighborhood to neighborhood looking right. for, for sale signs. Are you? I used to. So one of the, one of the crazy, one of the craziest things I used to do, cause I'm, I'm like old fashioned. Like you ever watch those old Rocky movies? Yeah. Dude, I'm, a, I'm like an old Rocky type of guy. Like I want to work out, you know, in that type of environment mentally. So what I used to do, I used to spend four or six hours a week. I used to drive around. And what I used to do is I used to call these for rent signs because here's, here's how I did it. So I buy properties using what's, and I teach what's known as the force strategy, F-O-R-C-E. It stands for find the property, owner finance it, raise the capital, cash flow it, which is set up the management structure. And E, get some personal development in you, AKA listen to Bradley's podcast so you can expand and scale your empire. So the E is for expand? Expand your empire. So what I used to do is uh, I used to reverse engineer everything. And there's one thing that I'd say I'm, I am good at, I got in the habit of good, getting good at it, is reverse engineering. Why something works and why, why it doesn't. So I knew, so I, when I was 20 years old, I had a conversation with a commercial lender and I said, hey, what's the possibility of me getting a commercial loan? And they're like, all right, well, tell, me your, tell me your debt to income ratio. And I, I did it. It's like, do you have any income? It's like, no, I don't have any income. Do you have credit? No, I got bad credit. He started laughing at me. He's like, dude, we're not going to take you, man. What are you talking about? So um, I started learning this thing called owner financing where the owner finances the purchase for you. And I started realizing, all right, so if, if, if I do owner financing, what are the biggest problems that owner financing solves for landlords? And it was two things. It was, well, three. Number one, it was landlords were used to receiving an income every single month, right? They're, they're used to that lifestyle of having money, mailbox money. They're used to that. Number two, uh, they want to stay in the real estate game, but they don't want to manage it, right? They don't want to be hands-on. They want to travel, right? Number three, tax advantages, right? Because it, it helps helps people with their tax advantages. Some states, it defers the tax. Some states, it lowers the rate that people get taxed at, aka, you know, either way, it's, it saves people $100,000 on taxes. So what does that mean? Well, it means that they've had to own it for a long time, right? Because it means that, you know, anything above 27 and a half, you know, years, you, you got your depreciation recapture, you're paying full, Right? So I told myself, all right, if those are the biggest benefits of owner financing, and I'm looking for people who've owned real estate for a long time, they've owned the building for close to 27 and a half years, if not more, that means I got to look for seasoned individuals, individuals in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s even, right? So I said, what are the ways that, what are the ways I can find people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s? It's probably not through technology. If I'm going to be just, you know, generally speaking, right? If I'm going to go stereotypical, it's probably not through technology. So, okay, so what is it? It's through newspapers. It's through signs in front of the in front of the building. It's those two things. So I started looking through the newspaper and looking at these for rent ads. And I used to drive around six hours a week, and I'd pick a spot, a spot that I knew was stable, good employers, 
Um, in that area, you mean? In that area, right? So in my local area, right? There's there's all sorts of so I you know I draw literally a circle of like 30 minutes from where I was operating, and I look at all these different suburbs, and I drive around these for rent signs that had the phone number in front of them, and I knew they were owned by mom and pop, right? Because it's like a you know eight unit building. 12 How do you know unit, that though? You know what I mean? Well, they'd have their actual phone number on there, right? Because typically if it was managed by a management company, they would have the the management company would have their sign and their name on there. And so I'd find, you know, the ideal thing was, you know, you find a sign at Home Depot, right? And you just get the regular sign, you write the name, number, whatever, call this person for rent. And so what I used to do is I used to, I used to the night before, plan my route. I was like a UPS driver. I used to plan my route and I said, all right, I'm going to do a circle and it's going to take me three hours. And these are the different apartments because I knew if I could find one four unit building on a street, there'd be other ones there. You know, because, you know, you don't ever see like an eight unit by itself and there's like a single family house next to it. It's always communities of apartment complexes. So I, I, I knew that I'd find other, other, others there. So I drive around, I call the for rent sign. And when I went to one destination, there would always be four or five signs just all throughout the neighborhood. And I called the number because remember, I'm in the relationship game. I'm in the sales game. So I'd ask them three questions. I'd pick up the phone and says, hi, my name is Daniel. I'm a local real estate investor. I saw your sign on 231 Main Street. I wanted to see if you had any interest in selling. And they go, why the heck would I do that? Right? And I say, oh, okay, so if you do want to sell, are you interested in buying? Because, you know, I want to build my buyer's list in case I want to sell anything, right? Because, I mean, data is monetized, right? I mean, you know this, right? In 2020, the biggest thing is data nowadays. So I wanted the data, you know? And so I asked them the second question, are you interested in buying? Oh, you're, you're not. So you, you don't want to sell, you don't want to buy. If I brought you a good deal, would you be interested in partnering with me? You know, would you be interested in putting up the cash? I'll do all the work. You know, so I, I'd ask those three questions because I'm trying to squeeze every juice out of every interaction. <laughs> sure. You know what I'm saying? So you're I, smart. I'm drive, I drive around and I call the forensic sign and sure enough, right? On the other line, somebody, you know, I, I heard it in their voice, somebody in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. I said, would you be interested in, in, in selling the property? And one out of 10, I'd get a yes. They'd be like, well, it depends. Sure, if the price is right. Absolutely. That's that's exactly what they t exactly what they say. Yeah. I said, great. Why don't I get your email address? I'll contact you. We can meet up at your property. You know, we'll schedule something. And uh, here's what I do. Uh, because remember, when you're doing this, there's no broker involved. There's no broker. There's no middleman. It's just you and the seller. Yeah, dude, I, as you're talking, I, I almost pulled the trigger on this deal out in, in, in Wisconsin. Okay. This, this older guy, I think it was, I want to say 16 units, maybe 32. Okay. Um, there was, there was garages okay. separate. Yeah. He had blueprints and the property to, but to build another 32 already drawn up. Mm. Um, the guy wanted out owner financing. It was through a buddy of mine. And, and for some reason, I think two of my people that I reached out to said, ah, I wouldn't do it and I wouldn't do it. But dude, listening to you, I should have done it because technically we owed the guy X amount of dollars, okay. which ultimately meant tax-free loan for five years. Sure. And it was, you know, sure. cash flowing more than that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Show me the deal. Oh, let's, look at, let's look at the numbers. Do you have a chance to go back? Well, I can call the guy that I was going through. He has everything. Yeah, I'm yeah. the one that told him no, and he said no because of me. And he's, I think, I think he's going to be sitting there going, "Dude, yeah, we should have took that deal." I think anytime you can get financed by the owner is a is a, is a plus already. Yeah, because I mean, I I love owner financing because it's it's such a flexible way of doing business. There's no middleman to dictate what you are you can and can't do. Same thing with the seller. You can agree to whatever you want. Oh, absolutely. And then how yeah. do you can they? renege and like, Hey, that's not your property anymore. If the terms are met that you've agreed upon. For sure. Yeah. So one of the things that a lot of sellers are worried about is like, 
Well, my concern is what if I get it back and it's in terrible condition? Well, then you, you know screwed. What I mean? So one of the things I do, I put in the addendum in the, in the clause because it's an agreement for deed. You guys can you know put in whatever you want. I say, I'm subject to an inspection every two years, an inspector of your choosing. And then they're like, oh, okay, that makes me feel better. But so what? I, did, you know? I inspected you and you, you did what I thought. You screwed it up. What's the, what, how do we fix that? Yeah. Well, so what do you, are you talking about a scenario where I, I mess up the property? Like the property's all in terrible condition and then the person's like afraid? Yeah, like for example- if you took, if I sold yeah. you on owner financing, yeah. if you didn't pay me, I'm taking my property back. Well, what if you didn't pay me and you were jack jacking up my property? I've yeah. heard people like putting cement in the freaking toilets and stupid shit. Yeah, I heard I heard of those stories. So I, I mean, what's beautiful is you you have total flexibility on what you can put as collateral. So like typically, what I do with uh, with the sellers I do this with is I'll have a line of credit attached to the note, and so if I can't pay, uh, automatically the line of credit reimburses the uh, mortgage payment that I missed. How many deals do you do a month? A month? So right now we're not doing any. How many yeah. deals could you do a month? Could or I do? even look at? Yeah, so 2021 is going to be a big buying spree for me because a lot of things I'm seeing in the market, like I have, I have friends that work in the banking industry. One of my friends, a really good friend of mine, shout out to Randy. Uh, he's the uh, president and CEO of the Illinois Association of Bankers. And you know they all, they all talk, these different states, presidents of associations. And uh, we had breakfast like three months ago. And he's like, dude, I'm really worried about our REOs and short sale department. And I'm like, really? Like, why is that? He's like, well, things aren't looking too good, right? You look at forbearance, look at, you know, default rates potentially coming up and, you know, look at all this moratorium stuff that's happening. We're, they're worried that they're going to get an influx of inventory in real estate, you know, and banks don't make money on real estate. They want to get rid of it as soon as possible. You know, so a lot of investors, they do this thing called short sales, which they pretty much, uh, they buy the deal they buy the note. Well, they acquire the property through purchasing the note, right? And they negotiate with the bank says, hey, this person owes 600,000, we'll give you $400,000 liquid upfront, right? So, but owner financing, I always, I always put in some type of collateral. And I always tell people, if seller gives you a hard time, you can, you can do what the banks do and sign a letter of personal guarantee. You know? If somebody wanted help navigating through a deal where they found someone that will do the deal, would you help them? Yeah, for sure. I can't negotiate anything because I don't have a broker's license. But what do they do? Call you? Yeah, they can call me. They can email me if they want. You know, I mean, our and that's that's mainly for our coaching clients because the coaching clients get access to my time. So mm -hmm. I always tell people, as long as you're in a deal, you get unlimited. You get unlimited sessions. Mm -hmm. Folks, you guys better number one go follow him. Number two, uh, pick up his book. What's the name of the book? Yeah. So it's called Zero to Seventy Five Units. The Four. I should have brought that sucker in here. You brought me a copy. I appreciate it. By yeah. the way. No problem, man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading that book. You were saying earlier what you know yeah. what it teaches. Tell everybody what it teaches. Yeah, so it's it's pretty much a, a blueprint. It's a roadmap to how I did it. You know, so I literally got case studies, stories, techniques. Um, I mean, ways to negotiate, raise capital. Like I had a bunch of my friends read it who are in real estate and who are entrepreneurs, and they after they read it, they're like, "Dude, I feel like I can go out and actually do it now." Now, tell me the story of how you wrote that book. Yeah, so I wrote a booklet. I wrote a booklet uh, two years beforehand. It was like a thirty to fifty page booklet. I was I was told to do it, correct? Because my brother, who's more of the marketing head, and our department was like, "Dude, you got to put something out. We got to include something in our funnel to give people for free." I'm like, "All right, fine." I wrote it in two hours. I wasn't proud of it. Like, I was like, I feel like, I feel like this is for like kindergartner level. Like there's no con, there's no content, you know? And that's like my biggest pet peeve. You know, it's like when I listen to something or I do something, there's no, there's no content. And so, um, I wrote it, it was on, I was out on Amazon. I was in the, the bathroom one day scrolling through my phone. And then there's one comment on the Amazon page. And this guy's like, I've been following the clock brothers for years now. Uh, you know, I love their content. I love their YouTube 
but this has got to be one of the worst books I ever read. And and literally, I got done. I walked into my office, opened up my Google Docs, and I started writing uh, number two. And it's 290 pages of, it's got everything, case studies, stories. I mean, I got stories of how I acquired my first investor, how I bought a 24 unit building, owner financing, you know, all this mess. You know, I, even how I first got involved with real estate. I mean, there's everything in there, techniques, case studies, you name it. it sounds like a badass book. Where do they go to get it? Yeah, go to zero to 75 units.com. So the number zero, T-O, seven, five units.com. It'll be in the show notes also, folks, but follow him on Instagram. You can go follow him individually, the Daniel Quack, the Daniel. Yes, sir. But if you want the tips, tricks, and all the nonsense, follow the account, the Quack Brothers. Yeah. That's both of them, Sam and Daniel, dropping knowledge on a regular basis. Dude, I appreciate you coming out here. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I think we're going to do some business regardless somehow, yeah. some way, because I'm telling you, I need to get into real estate. I think anyone listening should be getting into real estate if you're if you're wise especially if you're young too because dude yeah. listen when i was younger i wasn't that freaking smart when mm. it came to this shit i thought you got to have all this money you got to have all this credit my credit was shot when i was young because no one taught me about credit yeah so i had you know shitty credit i didn't re- ever have any money and when i did get some you know five six grand at a time boom i'd blow yeah. it so i never had money and i thought you had to have money and you mm. had to have credit all these years later Dude, I could have been a multi, multi billionaire by now just by yeah. literally doing everything I've done and really uh, uh, invest since I was younger. Because, dude, I'm 51, bro. Look what you've done in how many years? I can't believe you're 51. How many years uh, have you been doing this? I started 19, seven. Okay, so seven, seven years. years, dude, and you're already in the what? Are you in the eight figures yet? Yeah. Eight figures, seven years, dude. I'm, I, I would have been doing it now 25 years. Okay. No, you started at what, what year? 19. 19. Yeah. If I started at 19, I would be four, no, 32 years. So here's what, here's what I recommend to people because people are like, Daniel, how'd you do this in such short span of time? So I did it in, in two ways. I think I was always really good at asking people questions. Like, how did you do it? What were some of your biggest mistakes? Like, I remember when I was 19 and 23, I take people, I still do this today, but I, I take people out three times a week, like three different people a week. I buy lunch, I buy coffee, whatever. And I just ask, like, let me hear your story. Like, like what are some biggest mistakes, success? Like, what, what advice would you give me? Like, I was relentless with just learning, you know, just learning, learning, learning. Because I, I heard a quote, it was on Instagram. It may have been one of your posts, actually, because I follow you. But it's that they said that uh, work like there's no tomorrow, learn like you live forever. And I and I, I listened to that and I was like, wow, like that's so key. That's so key, you know? And uh, God obviously is a big thing, you know? I mean, that's because that's, I never realized that God is actually on my side, you know? Because we're, and I'll, I'll mention this. I think people are comfortable with me saying this, but I had a conversation with God about three weeks ago and God told me and it, it put a knife through my what heart. What does he sound like? He sounds like Morgan Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it's weird, but so he communicates to me through pictures and through just a voice. But he he said, Daniel, I love what you're doing for me. You know, you're you're donating to all these great causes. You're doing you're hard at work. You're awesome. You're doing all these things for me. I just wish we could do it together. And I was just like, oh my gosh! And it just, I just had the realization he's just a dad that just wants to hang out with his son. You know, and I was I like that. That's great. <laughs> I like that. But, num- but number three, too, is I always say don't, I, you know, so many people are about goals, 
right? Like you turn on, you know, and grant everyone, they're like, set your goals, set your goals. And yes, I agree. Like you should have your, what I call rabbits and elephants, right? Your rabbits are what you use to, to put food on the table today. Your elephants are your big dreams, something that you strive for, it's intentionality. But I always say people, uh, for me, I don't, I don't set goals as much as I do. I set standards and expectations. I saw this documentary with Michael Phelps and he's like, if somebody were to work out eight hours a day, eat 10,000 calories like I do, and they were meticulous with that schedule, they call it a good day. They hit their goal. The reason why I'm the greatest is because for me, that's the standard. And that's what I expect of myself. So what I did is I wrote down when I was um, 23, I had, I had a goal to get 20 units that year. And my mentor was like, nah, don't set those goals. That's what you call a lagging indicator. You need to set goals around what's known as your leading indicators, things that you can control, right? You can control time. You can control how much things, how much content you input into your body. You can control these things, set goals around that. And those became my standards and expectations that I made for myself. So every day I had five things I would do every single day. No matter, I didn't care if it was my birthday, Christmas, Thanksgiving, you name it, I do it every single day. And it's off the John Maxwell model, right? Where he talks about, hey, if you wanna cut down a tree, you gotta focus on one tree, you gotta sharpen the ax, right? Kobe Bryant said that if you give me six hours to cut down a tree, I'll spend four hours sharpening it, right? So I, I focused on that. So I started focusing on sharpening my ax and then chopping the tree down every single day, which were my standards and expectations. And because of it, the byproduct of my standards and expectations was 82 units that year. So I had set the goal for 20, but by, the, by December 31st, 2020, I had 82. I had quadrupled what I initially had as my goal because I listened to my mentor who told me, hey man, don't set goals around lagging indicators. And that's what everybody does, don't they? Yep. January 1st, like, I'm gonna lose 30 pounds this year. Or they're gonna say, I'm gonna get 20 units this year. I'm gonna read this many books. No, 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 those are leading indicators. You gotta have, you gotta set your goals around lagging indicators. So what type of food are you gonna eat? How many times are you gonna work out a day? These are your standards and expectations that people need to set. Dude, that's some, po that's some powerful shit right there, dude. See, that's what I mean, bro. You're just a smart dude, dude. I, I, have you I, always I, been smart, like in school-wise and all no, that? No, dude, I had my GPA at college, 1.7. Why is it always Asians yeah. seem and are smarter than everybody? School's important it, to them. So, so have you read the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell? No. So Should not, I? It, it's phenomenal. Yeah, great. Outliers. So, so it's not that they're smarter, but Malcolm Gladwell did a research study and they, he looked at the concept of math, right? So there's a stereotype that Asian people are better at math. I'm not, by the way. My best subject in school is actually philosophy. So um, he did the study and it turns out that you know, the Asian students had better grades in math, but the reason being is that the leading indicator was that on average, the Asian student would spend five more minutes per hard problem than the American student. So all they did was just spend more time on the problem. They just didn't give up. Got you it know? now. Oh, I love that. But you know, they, all they did was just spend five more minutes. That's it. You know, so it's, it's for me, it's just like, I'm not just smarter. I just, I just stuck around. I yeah. mean, yeah, there were moments where I wanted to, this sucks. You know, like this sucks, I don't wanna do this anymore, you know? But most people don't have a vision. And, and I'll explain what I deem as a vision. Most people's vision is their actual mission statement. You know, the vision is a byproduct of that mission statement. So for at the Quack Brothers, the mission statement is transform people financially so they can truly live. That's the mission statement. But what happens, right, what, how does the world change if that mission statement is then applied and is, is successful? Well, the vision for the Quack Brothers is then, the vision is the image of what it could be fueled by the passion of what should be. 
That's the definition of vision. That's good. You know, it's an image of what could be, right? Fueled by the passion of what should be. I like that. You know, because as entrepreneurs, we're creators, right? So we're, we're you know, in many we're ways- problem solvers. We're problem solvers, right? I mean, God created us in his image. You know, we're creating a new world based on the inspiration that we get. So the, the vision for the Quack Brothers is if that mission statement works, the vision is that every American family sits around the, business, sits around the dinner table and they're comfortable talking about finances. Because I, you know, I don't know about you, but growing up, my parents never talked to me about never. finance. Never. Never. And that's the case with 90% of Americans. Still. Still. Oh, yeah. And we recognize that yeah. as, a, as a society. Right. School, the education system's outdated. Yes, it is. They're teaching people how to be workers right. instead of entrepreneurs. Now, why would yes. we do that? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. I, I saw a meme on Instagram. It's just like, I'm so glad I learned about parallelograms in school. It's going to really come handy this parallelogram season. You know what I mean? I like that. I like the sound stuff. But but that's the key. You know, like most people don't have a vision. They confuse their mission. It's exactly right. You know? I like it. Parallelograms. Hey man. I know what a rhombus uh, a rhombus, that was my favorite shape. Dude, that's some funny shit yeah. right there. But that's dude. that's what I tell you, especially if you're young. You know, if you feel like 25 to 35 or younger, uh, I always say have a have a have a vision and an emission statement and know what the difference is dude i bought a new belgian malinois and it kept me up it like i, I was awake today at 3 a.m okay. so i'm a little bit like all of a sudden you ever get tired but but you're you know not yes you drank coffee yes but you just feel kind of brain foggy i got you that's where yeah. i was about you know 3 30 this morning okay now 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 my mind's starting to get with it what you just said, dude, was funnier than hell. Everybody, everybody, <laughs> the should, everybody should just use that one. Yeah. But isn't that just the education system, man? It's so outdated. Yeah. It's I always true. tell my version of what you just said, because yeah. again, you know, I keep it like succinct is in high school. I mean, in school, we're taught that George Washington had wooden teeth. Uh -huh. I don't know if you do, if you, if your age went through that. Yeah, we did. But dude, my succinct version of what you just said is, who gives a shit that George Washington had wooden teeth? Yeah, I don't. That's the same as parallelogram. Yeah. Because basically what you're doing is making fun, which is funnier than hell. Yeah. I'm sure glad I mastered this parallelogram. Sure, absolutely. Because otherwise man. I'd be screwed for parallelogram season. For sure, man. Yeah, hey, I'm so glad. You know what, Brad? I'm thank, I thank the education system because now that I'm on your podcast speaking, I know what ethos and pathos and all that crap is. You know, I just learned ethos like a couple years ago. I kept say, hearing the word yeah. ethos, ethos, ethos. And I'm like, nowadays, this is one thing I've learned lately. I look shit up. Uh -huh. I don't really care. I look. I like looking at the derivative of words. Yeah, it's where I started to to, to talk about that Jesus wasn't his name. Did you know that? Yeah, it's Yahshua. So it's like you start looking things up. You start seeking words, meanings. Yeah, you start to realize, wow. Like for example, the word vain. Do you know what it means? Vain. So V A I N. Yeah. Vain. Okay. No. Like one of the commandments is, "Thou shalt not take thy Lord's, Lord's name, name in vain." vain. So what's vain mean? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. So most people think if you say, God damn it, that's, mm. that's cursing. It's not. First of all, God's not a name. That's a title. Right. Number two, vain means to make my, well, vain actually yeah. means to make meaningless or useless. Mm. So when he says, don't make my name meaningless or useless. Oh yeah. That's what he said. I learned something. True. And if you look this up, you'll start seeking and you'll start yeah. looking. And then I want you and your family to tell me if I'm on the right track or not, because yeah. 
I started seeking and looking, and basically, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain, which means don't make it meaningless or useless. And I thought to myself, well, what is his name? And then I started looking it up, and you you find out his name wasn't Jesus. Yeah. Well, that's how it's translated. Nope, that's not true either. Go look it up. At the end of the day, how much more meaningless uh, can a name be if you just stop using it? Yeah. Like, don't use his name. Don't use his name. Yeah. That's exactly contradictory to don't right. make my name meaningless. Exactly. And, that, and then you look at other scripture, like give praise to my name. Yeah. Sing glory to my name. He wants us to know his name. Yes. He gave us his name in the scripture over 7,000 times. You know that? Yeah. Well, and now it's yeah. gone in the Bible. It's, well, it's no, gone. it does not exist in the Bible. Mm. Why? Who, who replaced it? What happened? Mm. You know, when did it go from there to not there? Yeah. Well, it went from Yahweh or Yahweh or Yahuwah or however you pronounce the actual big one's name. That's God, if you want to call him that. Yeah. But, but, but again, you know, God, the derivative of that word. Goad, which is derivative of a pagan word for goat, mm. a goat. Yeah. When people say God, that's a literal and derivative not, of the word goat. Yeah. And not greatest of all time. And then look at, no. And then right. look at the goat. What does the goat represent? Oh yeah. It represents demonic. And, and, or paganism. And or paganism. So it's like, you start to realize like, dude, yeah. are these, are these symbol? Like when was Jesus born? Oh, well, people say you know? zero BC. No, right? no. When was he born? When was he born? Oh, when do we celebrate his birthday? Oh, got it. It's actually, well, it's actually in July, isn't it? Yeah, but when do we celebrate his birthday? Well, it's Christmas. Yeah, December. Why? Why? Right. Why? Well, was, they did it. I think ugh, the historical lesson was they they did it to replace a pagan god. Like the pagan, they used to celebrate the pagan god in December. Why do you celebrate Christmas as Jesus's birthday? Right. Because you s looked and found out exactly. it was his birthday. Yeah. Or because you just were told to. We were told to. Right. So yeah. that's what I'm trying to tell people is, man, if this is, if I've stumbled onto something, ultimately what it means is the scripture seek and ye shall find. Yeah. If you look, you'll realize the things exactly. we're, 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 we've been told yeah. that we just accept aren't necessarily true. Do well, you, you know you, that? Well, you know what's crazy is I was reading John 17 this morning and uh, it's, it's, it's a very intense moment, but it's like when Jesus is right before he's about to get captured, arrested, crucified. And he's talking to the father in the and garden of Gethsemane or this, something. Yes, like that. that's exactly right. Great pronunciation. And so Jesus actually said in his prayer, he prays for himself. And he says that his prayer is that, that the people, the believers would seek and know him. Seek. That's what it says in him. the scriptures. Now, now let me ask you a question. Yeah. So you come to my house for a party. Yeah. I have security at the door. You walk up. I invited you. Yeah. You're trying to get through security. And they say, what's up, buddy? And you're like, hey, yeah, who? Tell, what would you say to me to get past? Oh, I'll be like, I know that's my friend. Who? Brad. Okay. Yeah. Okay, go on in. I know him, right? Now watch. What if you said Bruce? What would my right. security tell you? Like, who the heck is Bruce? No, he would. they would just doubt you. You don't right. know. You don't know him yeah. if you think his name's Bruce. And what's right. crazy is the scripture says that he says, my children will know no. my name. Yeah, they will hear his voice. And like know the my, shepherd. And know my name, right? Yeah. And it know says, name. know my name. My and children my, yeah. will know my name. So it's, it's, it says, Jesus says, they will know his name and recognize him as by his voice. Okay, so right. they'll know his name. Right. What's his name? Yeah, it's it's uh, Yahshua. That's Yahweh. Right. Well, Yahweh is the- No, Yahweh is the bigger one. Right, that's now, the Old Now Testament, again, people yeah. say, well, they're all the same. Well, again, I don't necessarily agree with that. Here's why. I don't know how this went religious. We got to wrap it up. But, <laughs> but, but, but here's why. Yeah. When he was on the cross, he looked up and said, Father, why have thou forsaken me? Yeah. Now, if you're yourself, if you're the one and the same, 
why would you ask yourself why you're doing all of this? Yeah. You wouldn't have to explain it to yourself. You would already know why you're doing it all. There'd be no communication needed. Just like if I cut off my finger, my finger wouldn't look up and go, why'd you do that to me? We're all, what do you mean? We're all one. So they're not the same. Now, God, which would I call the big guy, yeah, resurrected Jesus. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. So they're not the same. Now, people say, well, they're the same in spirit. No. Yeah, they're the same in spirit. Just like, let's say me and my son were very close, and you came here, and you were coming to me, and you said, hey, I went to light speed, and here's what yeah. happened. And I say, hey, look, if you're talking to him, you're talking to me. Right. Me and, me and him are the same. And that's what he says. Right. right. But, right. but we're not actually the same is my point. Mm-hmm. We're not the same. That's my son and I'm me. Yeah. So I think that's more like it is because he said, why are you doing this? You wouldn't do that yeah. if it was you type of thing. Well, he, I he, obviously believe yeah. that they're unified, but the the big guy, right. his name was Yahuwah or Yahweh. Well, I'll take, it, or, I'll take it a step further. Right. So he says that about the Holy Spirit too. You know, just, the, just before he's about to ascend, right. He says the counselor of truth will come to you. But he doesn't say, I will come to you. He doesn't say, the Father will come to you. By the way, I like we're talking, because this is dropping truth bombs, right? We're talking, yeah, we're seeking hey, truth together. Hey, that's what dropping bombs is about. Right, it's about truth. It might, we might not, we should be, you know, unsurprised, if that's a word. Yeah. That, that this conversation may be why somebody's listening to this podcast right now. That's a good point. You, right now could, could spark someone to seek. Yeah. And what's crazy is they could find stuff that, needs to be fueled by something yeah and real estate is how they fuel it and five years from now bro someone's gonna yeah. say i was listening to a podcast and brad lee and daniel quack were talking about jesus and his name so i started looking and i started seeking a bang, bang, bang. i mean i'm telling you that's why i do this podcast that's yeah. why i do light speed our mission is to get the knowledge from the people who have it yeah to the people who need it and here's why I believe that people fail because they don't understand something. There's a lack of knowledge. The reason yeah. why someone failed in real estate is they didn't know the not the right information, man. Yeah. Well, you have it. So why wouldn't I try to get your knowledge to the people that are losing and or to keep them from losing? Yeah. Because like you say, how would the world look if that were accomplished? Success would be normal. Yes. I love that. And that's what I want. I want, I want it to where normal. when you say you're getting married, I don't say good luck. Yeah. I say congratulations. Hey, you're starting a business. Fantastic, man. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. You're so lucky. I'm looking forward to it. Not, oh, good luck. 92% yeah. of businesses isn't that, fail. Isn't that crazy? Well, it fails because they don't know marketing. They don't yeah. know how to generate leads. They don't know how to close deals. They don't know how to raise capital. Right. They don't know how to do something. Well, even the most common sense, they don't know just how to keep going. Well, let's end it on that, dog. Right. That, there's, the, that's, there's the nuke. Daniel, I appreciate you coming in. Hey, thank you. Um, you know, if anything, anything we can do to help you, obviously you can call me, but I want the bomb squad to go out there and at least pick up your book. Yeah. It's free. Zero to 70. Oh, it's free, it's free on man. top of it. Where do they yeah. get it? Zero to 75 units.com. Zero so, to yeah. seven, five. Units. All they got to do is just pay for shipping.com. Yeah. And they get the, uh, the, the hard copy and the hard copy also comes with the audiobook. And if you read the book and apply it, you might end up a multimillionaire like you and your yeah. brother. All you got to do is just seek folks. You heard it. Share this out. I know someone needs to hear it. If you haven't subscribed already, make sure you do that. If you're watching on YouTube, hit subscribe. We drop them on a regular basis. Until next time, kids, as always, keep it real. This is Dropping Bombs with the real Bradley. Subscribe at droppingbombs.com.